0: Hi, everybody. My name is Remy. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with your host, Jen Hatmaker, my mom. She writes books and speaks to crowds, but she mostly loves talking to amazing people on this podcast every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, Jen Hatmaker here, welcome to the show. This is the For the Love podcast and I am super glad that you are here. So you probably know that we are in a short series called For the Love of Finishing Strong. And I've got to be honest with you, I am kind of just doing this series for myself, to be honest. Um, It has been a year and I know my own tendency, which is to hit this portion of the year and just slide into entropy. Right, like into like absolute inertia, which never does what I want it to do for me. What I want it to do is feel like a break, like I'm taking a break and I have a breather and I'm resting, but it has the opposite effect for me. It makes me feel sluggish and Um, and behind and off task and that just doesn't work for like it's not good for my brain. And so I thought, I wonder what it would look like to consider finishing not just 2019 strong, but this entire decade, right? Strong. So that is why we are here. And I wanted to talk to people who could essentially shepherd our thoughts um, toward crossing the finish line of this year, like with energy and with integrity and with um, excitement and enthusiasm for what has been and what is to come and who can sort of lead us in that place. This one's a real winner because she holds up a mirror and says, Sometimes these stories that you're telling yourself, like, are these really true? Um, Because I see something a little bit different. She does this really well. We talk about this at length um, in a hundred ways. She is helping women and men become their best selves. Um, She's one of my favorites. And I think the world of her. So my guest today is Abby Wombach. No big deal. Abby is a two-time Olympic gold medalist, um, FIFA World Cup champion, and this is just so special. The highest all-time international goal scorer for male and female soccer players. Um, I mean, talk about finishing strong. She literally finished her soccer career at, at the top of the game. Um, and so now Abby is an activist for equality and for inclusion, which we're going to talk about. She's the New York times bestselling author of not one, but two books. Her first one's called forward and her latest, which I love. In fact, I was with her on her tour stop in Houston as her interviewer is called Wolfpack: how to come together, unleash power and take the game. And you don't have to know beans about sports to walk away with so much depth from this book. Um, she is the co-founder of Wolfpack Endeavor, which is essentially revolutionizing leadership development for women in the workplace and beyond. I, it's Her reach right now is incredible. Um, Abby lives in Florida with her wife, my good friend, the wonderful and amazing Glennon Doyle, who I also love, and their three children. This is just a really... Um, special woman, a special friend, a special leader. I admire so much the, both the internal work that she has done with a lot of transparency. Um, and then all the lessons that she so generously shares with her community, um, to learn from. You're going to love this conversation. I um I I scribbled a handful of really furious notes while she was talking because so many things she said meant a lot to me. So I'm happy to bring her to you today. I really am. I hope you love this conversation with a woman filled with character and courage, my friend, Abby Wambach. Well, it is um, lucky, lucky, lucky me and lucky everybody listening because my friend is on the podcast today and I love her. And you love her. Abby, hi.
1: Hi. Jen, you are one of my favorites. Not only do I stalk you online, but um, your work, your writing, your humor. Um, Once the second I met you, I knew we were going to be friends for life. So.
0: Thank you for having me on your amazing podcast. Um, You are amazing. And I have the exact same reaction to you when I met you. Like, I can remember what arena we were in. I remember where I was standing. Weirdly, I remember what I was wearing. And you (laughs) said some really meaningful things to me. And I'm like, oh, okay. I get it. I get the Abby thing now. I get the Abby mania. Um, Sign me up. President uh-huh. of your fan club, so obviously the world, you know, knows a lot about you and your, you know, wildly impressive career on and off the field. Uh, I know you know this, or I think you know this, but one time when you and Glennon were sort of early in your relationship, um, you—I don't even know where you had been—but she sends me a text and she's like, "So." Abby's way more famous than I knew. Um, So funny. And so I wonder if you will just indulge me for my listeners for just a minute um, to kind of go backwards in your story, because I'd like to hear a little bit more about your growing up years and kind of I want to know about young Abby. Like what were you like and what were you into and were, was your personality kind of baked in um or did you kind of have a metamorphosis cuz I kind of did. Like if you would have met me in second grade, you would never have believed cuz I was shy, so 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 shy. So anyway, I would just love to hear that. Would you kind of walk us through the early years?
1: Yeah, sure. And it's so interesting, you know, just even hearing that question. I'm I'm kind of trying to be I'm in the middle of doing some personal work for myself about Mm -hmm. the stories that I tell for my life and the things that I remember, because as I get older, um, the story that I've told myself just gets more cemented deeper Mm. and deeper into my psyche and into my memory, That that is what I think is true. Right. And I actually think that our memories work much differently (laughs) than that um and and maybe my story isn't completely true all the way through and um hmm. so i've been doing a lot of rewriting or trying to get to the truth of what my story is and i think that this exercise has been really um healing in many ways because uh-huh. i think for a lot of my life i've attached myself to some of the traumas of my childhood yeah uh, more so than the joy and i'm i've always been such a joyful person and an optimist that uh i'm Trying to go back and unfilter uh, or actually filter in more joy and and the times that I experienced um true happiness because I think as an adult, we can just wrap our minds around all the times that we were wronged or all the things that our parents did to screw us up that like we forget about all the things that they did that made us wonderful and beautiful and the life that we've had but yeah, I was a fun like loving kid who. Um, knew that I had exceptional athleticism from yep. a very young age. I was kind of cut like I was like I was like a little Olympian. I looked like a little Olympian. I had like quads and and triceps and abs. Um, and uh, ironically, those all went away when I actually became a professional athlete. I was like, where's my muscle? Like <laughs> it's, my it was just go? like underneath, like a nice level of like, you know, skin that just didn't give me those six pack abs. i never had six pack abs. I was like, why did I have them as a child? Anyway, I really enjoyed not being bored. Let me say that. And I think that throughout my life that definitely led me down certain dark certain dark roads. Uh, Sitting myself is, has always been a struggle. Um, Being still And now in my retirement, and now I'm almost four years sober, um, Mm -hmm. I'm learning really truly like the art of discipline, which is like the thing that children really struggle to learn, right? Mm. Is like to doing something and staying committed to doing something over and over again, something that's going to help you, right? Like I was committed to sport, um, but I really wasn't committed to reading. I wasn't committed Mm. to my school. I wasn't committed to um, eating as healthy as I possibly could. So I'm doing all of those things now. Um, and, you know, the story of my life that I have told myself is that I'm stupid and the only thing for the world is my sport and this wow. craft. And so I've had to, I, I mean, by by virtue of needing to stay alive, I've had to refocus my energy on that because I retired four years ago. And yep. what, who am I without soccer? And I've had to literally recreate that vision uh-huh. for myself. Um, so it's been an interesting few years um, learning about this discipline thing. I tell you what, like, I really should have done this much longer ago, um, because, you know, structure liberates and Mm. that is for sure something that I found. Um, and it's just like a laziness, like, Oh, I don't Mm. want to do this. Like it's a third authoritarian thing, a control thing that had to give up a, a little bit. So, I I really did have a great childhood and so in some ways had a hard childhood. I was the youngest of seven kids in a huge family and I had to fight for what I felt like was talk time or attention. So like I have to equally respect the life that I was given and also um, rail against it in some ways.
0: It's interesting to hear you talk about that because, you know, most of us, when we consider you and um, sort of what you've done in the world, I would think of you as an incredibly disciplined person. Like you should write a book on discipline. So it's interesting to hear you apply that skill set outside of the one thing that you're so like naturally good at. And so easily, your success is so easy to sort of access. Um, But to apply that elsewhere, which I love, that completely fits into the conversation I want to have with you over the next bit. I know when I was a kid, like, I learned about the world through the lens of other men and women that I really admired and that I respected and then kind of adjusted my path um, as from what I was seeing. So who did you have? Do you even remember? Do you, did you have any influences on the kind of like woman that you wanted to be, the kind of athlete you wanted to be, kind of really whatever it was?
1: Yes, I did. I had a lot of influences. Um you know, it's interesting because now our daughters—they have influences. Um, they're able to find people that look like them, that sound like them, that um, are doing the thing that they're doing. And I didn't have that same experience because growing up in the women's sports world in the '90s, in the late '80s there were very few opportunities for women um, in the professional world. Um, You know, you have women's golf and women's tennis. Um, 1972 is when Title IX was passed. Um, And so now you're seeing a couple of generations later having the real impact. Yes, I had women that I looked up to, but you also have to remember this is pre-internet.
0: Yeah. great point.
1: Um, So like the, um, the women's national team started in and around mid eighties. I was born in 1980. And when I got into like my teenage years and started to try out and train for higher level teams, regional teams, national teams, it started to get into my consciousness to start thinking about oh, who else is doing this at, like, the oldest level?
0: Hmm. Um,
1: and and so my consciousness started to get really aware of, um, you know, Mia Hamm and April Heinrichs and Karen Gabara and yeah. Michelle Akers um, and Julie Foudy and Christine hmm. Lilly, these women who I actually ended up playing, right. playing with, ironically, 10 years later. But, you know, I had pictures of Mia up on my wall, and I had – and this is before even the 99 world cup, um, right. when the women won the, won the world cup at the Rose bowl and Brandy ripped off her, yep. her Jersey. Of course. And really when women's sports kind of took off and cause, cause this one tournament really, truly, um, made women's sports marketable. It did uh, something that, that both men and women can watch, which turned the entire industry upside down. Hmm. Um, and, and, and so I'm so grateful that, not only was, was I kind of a part of that long lineage, I wasn't on that team, but I was on the youth national teams and I was able to take, take that, that baton and kind of continue on. But you know, it's interesting because I think about um, you know, my, my parents and my brothers and sisters and the inspiration that they gave me. And like I was saying earlier, as much as um, they inspired me and helped me and drove me everywhere, they also motivated me in ways that I didn't realize that I was specifically needing. Right. So, and I'm not saying this works for everybody, but um, I was kind of an unmotivated, lazy kid, uh, as it related to my physical abilities. Um, so, so my parents would have to bribe me into oh, yeah. scoring, like bribe me into scoring goals. Um, you know, they would pay me in college, which is ridiculous i know it's like not the way you're supposed to do things (laughs) like pay you for goals yeah that's amazing yeah it's like paying a kid for an a sure but the problem is is like that actually motivated it worked for you yeah it worked so i credit my parents for finding the thing that motivated me and you know of course i watched all of the olympics ever i thought that i was going to be a figure skater at one point um not because i was good at figure skating but because it was my favorite olympic sport to watch yeah um You know, so, yeah, I've had some really cool mentors. I think that some of the coaches that I've had, Pia Sundahaga, she was my coach in 2009, 2008 to to 2012, and uh, she was one of the most impactful coaches I ever had. And having a woman who um, showed me how to lead in a completely different way, like a more authentic way, which... You know, I had never really seen a woman do before it was was really, really important. And I think um still is driving much of the culture inside the national team.
0: Yeah, I've heard you talk about her before, and I loved that story about how she sort of turned what um leadership but specifically coaching looked like on its head, um, at that level, of course. And I see that in you. Um, I I see that. Shine in the way that you lead. I think leadership's one of your greatest gifts um, and the way that you right now show up for other people and the manner in which you do it, this approach in which you do it, that is, it's humble um, and wise all at the same time. It's gracious and it's generous. So You, you manage this um, authenticity that sometimes I think women strong arm, they power through in some sort of, Um, I think maybe effort to feel really strong um, in spaces that are maybe predominantly occupied by men. um, And yet you've had that example set for you and I see you setting it for other people, the way that you're leading. Hey, everybody, you know that I love two things in this world, food and getting things delivered to my house, right? Those are my twin pillars. Those are my key values. So it's a no brainer that I would adore getting my Green Chef box every week, obviously. So if you're new to Green Chef, here's the deal. They are a USDA certified organic company that makes cooking sincerely easy. It's all hand-picked, delivered to your door with a a huge variety of meal plans that complement your family's health goals. Keto, paleo, balanced living, uh, plant-powered, they have every option you want. And they make it really easy to eat well, discover new recipes every single week, and this just in: Green Chef is now owned by HelloFresh, which means we get even more meals to choose from. Just yesterday, um, I made pesto shrimp and sautéed veggies for lunch for my daughter Sydney night, and, and absolutely delicious. She's like, "Mom, this feels really fancy for lunch." I'm like, "Feels fancy was super easy." So, Green Chef has something pretty special for my listeners for a total of seventy five dollars off. So that's going to be $25 off each of your first three boxes. You can go to greenchef.com slash for the love 75 and try green chef today. Okay. I'm going to say it one more time. It's greenchef.com slash for the love 75 for $75 off your first three boxes. You're going to love it. I promise. Back to today's show. I'm curious, and and this is probably a sliding scale, so I'm not sure how you're going to answer it, but when, when along the way, did you start to understand that you sincerely had the gift of leadership, not just soccer, not just scoring goals, but leadership? And I'm, I'm curious if that excited you or if that scared you or maybe both.
1: Yeah. Well, I have to go back to the beginning because um truly this has been kind of an ongoing struggle, I would say. I wouldn't even say a responsibility or an honor. It, it, it you know, being a leader is a struggle. Yes. And that's a struggle that most leaders have to constantly embrace. So every single team that I played on growing up, um I found myself to be one of the best players. It was just what yeah. happened. I was scoring right. goals. Not necessarily my fault or because of yep. me. It was just like that was my job. That was what I did. And and often, when especially when you're really young, if you are scoring goals, they uh, assume you to be some sort of leader. And yeah. I think because of the time that I was young and I was given this challenge of holding people's complete um, confidence because... When you're one of the best players and you know it, and when you walk into a room and you think and you can feel everybody's attention turn to you, one of the things that I always that I that I promise myself to always work on is to make sure that everybody in the room see is seen, hmm, because I. I know what it's like to be the attention getter. And I want to make sure that everybody on that team or everybody in that room has a voice and they feel they feel seen and heard. Um, and that has literally been what I've practiced since I was yeah. a little kid. And I don't know. I think it's because being the youngest and I didn't get a lot of attention, I think as I grew older and got on the net and watched some of these older players um, and, and the way in which they chose to lead was different than the way that I would choose to lead. Uh, And the the team that I stepped into generationally was different than the team that I started on. And I think that that is all, that's so, it's a very small thing that people don't realize that, and it's a detail that people don't understand that 20 years ago, a coach or a captain could stand up in front of the team and say, this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to do it. And then the team would go and do it but right now it is a totally different ball game. You as a leader and as a coach, you actually have to figure out individually what motivates each player. Because when you gather a group of people together the best way to come out with the best plan, or 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 the most um, or the most goals, or, or the the win, is to make sure that everybody has a voice and everybody has a say and everybody has a term. and that is how you actually create championship teams. It's not one or two pers- two people making the decisions. That is like so. T- Twenty years ago, the modern way of leadership is a, is getting the best people in the room coming up with the best plan together and then the creating the strategy to then go unleash on whoever you're playing against whatever it is we're talking about
0: yeah totally so
1: so I think that you know for me, I really struggled early on in my leadership when 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 the older players left and I was now this is kind of this team was dawned like Abby here you go here here are the keys. And I tried to be what they were. Did you? But what I found is over the years is oh, and and thank goodness Pia came into my life because mm. she showed up and showed her specific, unique version of what leadership looks like.
0: Oh yeah, talk about that for just a second for those oh, who don't my know. Gosh,
1: it was it was so life changing. And up until this point, I had only really been coached by um, not just men, but. But women who operated sure. like men yeah. and 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 showed up into the environment, um, you know, believing and, and talking and just being, like, really stern and hardcore. Of course. And not embracing the full beauty of their femininity. And I think mm. that that's what Pia did so well. She embraced the full beingness of who she was, both yeah. her feminine parts and her masculine parts. And mm. she just brought her total self to the team. And then what she also did, which is what is the most difficult thing for a leader to do, because you have to give away some control, is you have to let everybody around you bring them their full selves to the table too. And, um, and you have to find ways to connect all of those people rather than searching for ways, because it's a very American trait, like, oh, this doesn't fit, you're out this doesn't fit you're out and it's like once you believe this one thing then you're all the way over in this camp and you're not you don't belong over in this camp anymore that's all bs like i think i think that's why teams are such a great equalizer in our world today because we can kind of slice through the politics and the, the the bs of it all and still be sitting with each other at the end of the day it's like we're actually just like people and we're allowed to believe in different things and we still can sit and break bread like let's be real totally. here totally so long story short pia shows up and she plays us this song very first meeting with her guitar and like for the first part of the song i was like thinking to myself what who is this lady we are what we are we're screwed you know that's right. like what i'm thinking we're screwed and then you know every, everybody's kind of leaning back and then as the song kind of keeps going i found all of us. And I look around and like at the end of the song, I was, she just had us like, it was like, we were wrapped around her finger. And I was, I was amazed at when, when greatness meets greatness with no judgment in those moments, there's magic and you can't, You can't meet other moments or people and have that moment of magic. You can't meet them if you don't bring your full self. If you're leaving half of yourself at home or you're pretending to be a more male version of yourself going into work because you think that that's what that work is calling upon, it's actually the opposite. Is true right now. The thing that is going to solve so many of our problems is feminine leadership. And it's the ability to be able to call on all these different parts of ourselves and then utilize that and whatever is necessary into whatever the task at hand is. That is leadership. And that is a leadership that I'll follow.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Same. And that's what I'm drawn to. It's not just what I'm drawn to, it's what I'm moved by. Um, It's what inspires me. It's what changes me and pushes me. And I just think it's a great time to be a woman in leadership on any strata. Like, of course, I'm listening to you as an elite athlete, you know, talk about this on a professional scale, but everything you're saying translates to women in all the areas that they lead, um, that this, it's a very, very strange risk to take, to show up very true faced, Mm. um, to show up, um, authentic, to show up vulnerable, in spaces, um, um, to lead with out of the strengths that you have and out of the tenderness that you have. Um, and yet all my experiences say that is where the magic happens. That is where oh. meaningful change exists. That is where barriers are broken down. Um, and so I, we, you know, when we just kind of look sideways at a lot of women in leadership right now, the ones who are really making a difference are the ones you just described. Those are the ones. Um, and so I want to This, I want to ask you this question because I'm interested to hear what you have to say on this. The series um, right now on the podcast is on finishing strong, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, because not only are we about to finish 2019, but we're about to finish a decade, you know, which just sometimes gives us a moment to pause and really consider both last 10 years and next 10 years. Um, And so you understand finishing strong in a really unique way because you've, you've been an athlete at the top level. So you've a billion times had to push against what your mind or your body was telling you that wasn't possible, that you could not do, that you could not finish. And Mm -hmm. so I would just love for you to talk for a few minutes about everybody right now who is staring down the possibility of defeat. Um, and that the potential for finishing strong feels too elusive or too impossible or, um, our minds and our bodies and the rules spoken and unspoken are telling us everything opposite. Um, what, how would you coach us more or less? Yeah.
1: Well, first of all, um, I think the mentality of finishing strong is either there or it's not. Um, and I also understand that I have had a lifetime of practice at this. So it, it gives me a little bit of a privileged edge over other people. And it's not easy. It's not easy to um not give up.
0: Yeah, but I'm telling
1: right. you this, I'm telling you this, and this is what I think might, might be the most true thing um, that I could probably say on this podcast is most of the successful people that I know, and some are the most wildly successful people on the planet, but most of the people that I know that have found success in their life just didn't give up. That's it. That is
0: it. it's pretty simple. It's like
1: I I know that it sounds so freaking cliché but just try to like step step that aside for yeah. for a minute. Like just not giving up because for me it wasn't ever about winning, though that that helped. Sure. Um winning always helps. And having a definition of what a goal is and, and what, what defining what a win means, like that's actually been something that's revolutionized revolutionizing my retirement is, uh, before every meeting I have, um, I usually say, okay, what is a win here? Mm. Like I need, that's I good. need to know what I'm going for. Um, and, and we define what that is. And then I have like structure and I'm fine. Like, and, and even if I fail and I don't win in that meeting or whatever it is, I at least have some structure. So I don't know. I just think it's really important for people to understand that um, most people are trying their very best. That's right. And some things just don't work out. But that doesn't mean um, quitting, quote unquote, because, like, what does that mean? Like, I am a person that pivots. And if you are not in a position to pivot whether it be financial or emotional or family or whatever i get that but that doesn't mean you can't pivot in your mind that's right so so for instance the other day i'm training for half marathon god help me
0: oh my gosh why and and yesterday i had to
1: run 12 miles and um i was on my 11th mile yeah. which always is the easiest mile to run after a long run cuz you just okay. like you just get it done Okay. But yesterday I was suffering so bad. And I, and I kept telling my running partner, I'm like, just go, like, I'll see you back at the house. Like, don't worry about it. And she's like, no. And I'm like, listen, I cannot run any faster. Wow. And so I'm, and I'm not even looking at my watch uh-huh. and I'm just continuing to move my feet. Literally that's, I'm, I feel like I'm running with bricks on my legs. And I finish, and I am no slower than I was in any of the other miles. It's just I felt that way. So, so everybody, what I'm telling you is everybody feels like they've got bricks. It's so true. Okay. And if you just keep moving forward Mm. in one way or another something is going to happen the fact that you get to keep moving forward is the whole thing because listen Mm. i've been to the top i've won the gold medals it's not about the it's not about the end Hmm. it's not about the end it's about who you do it with um, yeah. who you feel and like the self-esteem that you build in your life for who you are and who you're developing into. Um, it's the dreams and it's the dreaming and it's the accomplishment and it's the accomplishing. Like, it's not about the final thing because by the way, I literally, like it's, it's maddening. Like I got a gold medal wrapped around my neck and I step off the podium and all I'm thinking about now is how I can do that again. It's not totally. in two
0: minutes. Right it immediately evaporates it's booth
1: gone. Yep. And that's, that's probably a problem of mine. Who knows? But it's just like, that is life. It's like, no matter how high you can climb, there's always a higher place or another thing. Like I'm also working on trying to like lessen my need for materialism, like the things Uh, that give me worth. Right. And as a female athlete, of course, I think that I was traumatized because I see all of these guys making hundreds of millions of dollars yep. and they're driving all these cars. So I'm like, I think, oh, if I just couldn't get that car, then, then I'll be worthy and then I'll be worthy. Oh, and
0: yeah.
1: I don't know. I'm totally sidetracked here. I just think it's important that people don't stop moving forward.
0: That is, that's the deal. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. It's just simple. That's the definition of it. And but you know what? You just touched on something that I would love to talk to you about because um, like let's take the the idea of gaining any worth, any like personal worth out of it, because as you just said, that's a complete like house of cards. But it what it has been really not just fascinating, but encouraging um to watch how people have come around women's soccer um, mm-hmm. this year, not just to celebrate, obviously, their huge, like global success, but to start talking about what you just said, which is this really important, obviously long overdue conversation about fair compensation Mm. and what it means to be um, paid fairly for your work, for your investment into a sport, for your name um, and your likeness. And so I'm. I just would love to hear you talk about this. Some. What has it made you feel like um, seeing this level of exposure? Because we talked about sort of 1999, like the Brandy era, which was really, you're right, a huge turning point for a ton of us. We can all remember where we were when she ripped that shirt off. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's kind of this next. It's this next leg of the race. Uh, what has it felt like to you to see this happening around your sport specifically, and? people in power, if you will, putting their weight behind this conversation too. Do you think, what do you think is coming next? What do you hope to see next?
1: Well, first of all, thank you for asking this question because this is one of the things that I love talking about the most Um, for a lot of reasons. Obviously I'm invested in the team and what happens to them. Um, But where I've gone with this conversation is bigger, it's wider. And I just like stay with me for, for a second here because I think that your listeners might get uh-huh. a little nugget or two out of this, which is okay. so important. It's It's been mind-blowing for me because I've been going through, like I said, a bunch of unlearning from my childhood. And uh-huh. where that begins for me is being the youngest of seven kids yeah. and having four older brothers and sisters four older brothers and then two older sisters. So I grew up and I was just like one of the little, little, like I was like one of the little boys. Like Mm -hmm. I was running around with my shirt off for way too long and they would put me in goal. And, you know, I learned a lot from my brothers. I also learned a lot from my sisters, but I have like an internal belief system that I deserve to be treated like my brothers. Sure. And so I've taken that, um, Arrogance, I guess hmm. it, I could call it that with me throughout my life. And I think that uh, soccer also gave me a lot of confidence to walk into a room and to, to, to say how I feel and demand sure. what I want. But I think that in order for all of us to truly understand the sexism and misogyny that yeah. runs even through our own selves, even though we're like, even though we're the feminists sure. out there. Oh, it's like, very
0: internalized.
1: The, oh, it's 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 so important to uncover your own stuff before you even start looking at, let's say, this women's national team debate about equal pay. Because yeah. what do you really think about women getting paid the same yeah. as men? It's a great question. Because this has been happening forever in every industry. Sure. And now what's been so fascinating is we see this women's national team step up and start playing. Hmm. And not only are they playing, but they're playing in a, in a, in a motivational and inspirational way Hmm. and they're winning and they're doing it on the grandest stage and they're marketable and, oh, they're also not getting paid the same. And so here's the number one debate that I hear. Well, the men's team brings in more money than the women's team. Right. right?
0: Factually untrue. Right. Right.
1: Like that, like that should even matter.
0: Okay. Great point.
1: Like I I get it. Capital. We live in a capital, capitalistic society, but it shouldn't even freaking matter. Like, but still since 2015, our women's national team has brought in more money for us soccer than the men's national team. And they are still
0: getting paid less than the men's national team. It's so unfair.
1: The other thing that we have to really consider, and this is this is a little bit deeper and kind of maybe boring, so I'll go. I'll kind of go through it quick. Is just this this idea of original investment. Hmm. Um, men, because the sports world and the business world have been always dominated and started up for men by men, they have had this original investment. Hmm. And uh, essentially what you see is that compounding effect of Mm -hmm. that men's original investment. And when, when it's literally like, You know the Warren Buffett theory. Men have been in the game longer, so they're just Mm -hmm. reaping so many more returns. Women only started invest. We've only started investing in women recently, so we just haven't gained enough time and enough and enough uh, momentum forward. So what we need to do is we need to create policy, and we need this women's national team to win their lawsuit, so that we can continue to breathe more life of possibility into the hearts and minds of all of us, not just women, by the way, this is something that will also affect our, our boys, our young men and our older men, because there is something that happens to them too. When they feel like they are only in control and power, then they aren't allowed to be their complete and full self.
0: I agree. Because
1: they're not allowed to be vulnerable. They're not, That's allowed right. to be, you know, like, why do you think men are always so aggressive And, and, and not all men, but like most men, their, their, their emotion that they get straight to is aggression, is anger. And it's because they're not allowed to be as fully human as, as us women want to be. Right. And so it's like, we all got to figure out how to get back to being human. So long story short, we have to find our own sense of, how we were raised and what kind of misogyny we were raised with so that we can start to unpack and uncover this stuff. So when it does come up, we're not going, oh, well, the men, you know, the men make, the men make more. We're not like justifying what's been happening because we've participated in it. We're saying, oh, wow, I am a responsible person. And though it might not have been my fault, it is now my responsibility to step up and to say the thing when it needs
0: to be said and to do the thing when it needs to be done. That's great. And it's possible and it is with, it's is with—it's to great effect. I also kind of came up through um, an industry, if you will, that has been created by men for men largely, and so I discovered as a grown up that I was primarily ha- real happy to just receive some crumbs from the table, and I saw hey. that as well. Lucky me, I got a crumb. Um, yeah. You know, some people aren't even in the room, uh, yep. and so discovering that our voices have power. Um, is really something, and and they do. And I see it, and I know you see this too with the girls, but I see it in our daughters. That is where I'm beginning to see, as you mentioned earlier, this residual effect of more women in leadership, more women at the table, more women hired, um, more women at the helm, all of it. It's starting to have this trickle-down effect to our girls that we didn't necessarily experience at their age. Uh, totally. We were still the crumbs of the table generation to some degree. Totally. And so what in the world are we going to see in 20 years? You know, mm. in 30, it's exciting. It's mm. exciting. But I like what you're saying, because this isn't an, an area I think where women can just sort of go well. You know, it's going to be better in the next generation. We'll just have what we have. Uh, we have a huge mantle on our shoulders here. We have a responsibility to have those conversations and to say those words out loud and to challenge the systems um, that prioritize some, um, you know, sort of to the diminishing of others. And yes. and then to see that at work. It's really, we're watching it in real time right now in our generation. Yes. It's exciting. It is. Um, oh, it's so exciting. I feel really, really hopeful. Yeah. One of the best things in life is a good sounding board. I've said it a million times. Nothing is better than a friend who can listen to your brain dump and then cheer you on or throw up red flags, whatever the situation calls for, right? But sometimes we need specialized help. A neutral third party who can look at our situations, at our lives with fresh eyes. And I'm telling you that a wonderful, affordable way to do that is with BetterHelp Counseling. BetterHelp can connect you to a licensed therapist or counselor online. So you can literally get help whenever and wherever you need it. The BetterHelp counselors specialize in a huge variety of needs. Um, Some of those areas you may not even have available to you locally, but here they're available to you anywhere. Thank you to the internet. So BetterHelp has... Also, you guys, financial aid available to those who qualify, which is great because cost shouldn't prevent someone from getting the help they need. BetterHelp has an amazing offer for my listeners. They are giving you 10% off your first month with the code love. Here's what you do. Go to betterhelp.com slash love and use the code love to get the help you need, that you want, and you deserve right now, okay? Back to our show. I want to talk for just a minute about Wolfpack. Um, you know how I feel about it, and you know that I love it. And um, I've I talked about it quite a bit to my community, so they're familiar with it too. But in it, you know, you gave us you gave this community eight rules to essentially change the game. These they're simple but profound um, approaches that every single person can cultivate in, in our own lives. This very minute, I told you that I immediately sent it to my daughter. Um, Mm. I just want you to pick one, whichever Mm. one you're feeling really, really like strong about today. I would love for you just to talk through one of the, um, rules that you handed us and why you think it matters right now and how you would put that in the hands of people who are rounding out the year, rounding out the decade.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that the making failure f- your fuel is one of the most important lessons that women can, can that will extend whatever they're doing longer, that they will quit <laughs> much longer down the road if yeah. it is, in fact, they're going to they're quit. You know, I grew up in a culture on the women's national team that uh, embraced failure, and um, this idea of making a mistake, right? So sports is such a unique environment where you're actually only expected to be perfect a few times. Soccer specifically, you're only supposed to be mm. expected to be perfect a few times a game. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be consistent. And what that means is that you're going to make some mistakes and you're going to, you're going to not make some mistakes, but mistakes are part of the actual game. So, That's right. so dealing Dealing with the things that happen um, and seeing them as a result of something and trying not to proceed down that same path to Mm -hmm. then have the same result, right? The definition of insanity, like that's kind of the whole thing is like, just if you make a mistake, just try not to do the same thing again that led to that mistake. But the thing about mistakes, which is like the next level of mentality and mindset is to... Um, see it as the most beautiful gift. Like, mm. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I get this. Like, because mm. if you're if you're introspective or or you or try to look inside of yourself, I'm sure your community does. Um, it's an opportunity for growth, right? So this there's these things called growth mindset or yeah. fixed mindset, right? And and all the best smartest people in the world have this growth mindset mentality, which means oh. I'm going to make mistakes and that's going to be a part of my right. process. It's not going to define me. It's it's like the the best people in my life that I have ever met and that I talk to constantly about this stuff, they're they're not when when they look back at their life, they don't think, "Oh yeah, well that one time when I did this great thing." They're like, "Oh yeah, that that time when I fell down, that time when I fell down is what what makes me most proud about my my being able to step up and get up right, like that's what our minds are 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 on, and then as it as all of this like sports quote unquote leadership philosophy leads me, it it, it affects the way that I parent. Yeah, so, so totally. one of the most profound things that has happened to me recently is um, Emma, our youngest. She yeah. has what's called uh It's a it's a little. Like calcium development underneath her knee, and it's super painful, right? And I grew up in this big family um, where my form of mothering at, at, for any kind of injury was always like rub some dirt on it, you're fine. Um, and so instinctively, when Emma came home and started experiencing this pain, I kind of went into that like rote and instinct mothering the way that I was mothered, is what I kind of did. And I remember just feeling real bad about that. And I remember being, um, doing a moral inventory with, with Glennon at the end of the night and saying to her, listen, babe, like, I just don't feel like I did the right thing. I thought that I, I think that I just like totally bailed and, um, was afraid to get close to our daughter and, um, and she just, she just said the sweetest thing. She said, babe, we're going to make mistakes as parents. And all we need to do is to talk to our kids about it and tell them that we're sorry. And I'm sure Emma would love for you to explain this and to apologize. And so I was like, okay. So I stayed up all night and I was like, oh. all right, <laughs> planning out all of the words and all of the things that I'm going to say. And, um, you know, the morning time comes and she's up and she's like making her lunch for, for school the next day. And, and I, I go into it and I said, Emma, you know, I just want to, I just want to explain something that happened last night that I didn't feel really great about. Yeah. And I, and I went into the whole thing and I said, I'm just like, I'm so sorry that like, I don't want to be the kind of parent that doesn't reach for you. And mm. I want to be the parent that holds you, even if I think you're faking it, right? Yeah, that's good I want to be the parent that holds you and says that I'm here for you and that I love you and that I'm so sorry you're feeling this pain. Cause it sucks. It totally sucks and it hurts. And, and of course, you know, she was 10 at the time and she's like, okay, great.
0: Right. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> totally. But I think one of the most
1: important ways in which we can teach our kids how to fail well is to do it
0: right in front That's of them it. and
1: to explain in real time. it right in front of them yeah. in real time. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. I wish that I haven't learned that lesson a million times <laughs> out of experience, but I have, and it's true. Uh, and you see that begin to play out in the way that our kids learn to handle failure and learn to handle their own mistakes and learn to say, I'm sorry. There's really no better way. I mean, that is yeah. the best example far beyond our teachy talky words about it all. Uh, it's just uh-huh. what, they, what they see us do, what they hear us say. Um, this is a question that I want to ask you before we sort of wrap it up here. Like, okay. So I'm thinking about like myself in 2010, the very beginning of 2010 and now here at the very end of 2019. So like I Mm -hmm. entered this decade, well, I just had three kids. Um, Brandon and I were just at the 15 year mark. And then here at the end, I've got five kids. We just hit the 25-year mark. Everything's so oh so gosh. many things are different in my life. Like my community has changed and my leadership has changed. And um, I would just love to hear you talk about when you sort of look over the last 10 years of your life, this decade. And it's so powerful, Abby, to watch you right now. And you just, everything about you tells me that you are strong and you are healthy and you are happy and mm-hmm. you are just thriving. I just everything about you right now just says thriving to me. And so how would you talk about like the start to finish of this decade? Mm-hmm. Oof. I think that
1: the beginning of this decade 2010 um you know I was 30 I was recovering from a leg injury and really out to prove myself hmm. that um, was the, the team that I was going to carry on into the future. Yeah. And I think what that also did, that kind of goal, that kind of uh, mindset brought upon this fraud com- complex. Oh, sure. Like I, I felt so, I it was so good in some ways that I felt like a fraud in all these other parts of my life because I wasn't the best in the world at, Mm. I don't know, paying my bills Mm. or, or remembering to do my laundry or cleaning my house. Like, like there is a, there is a price that gets paid when you rise to the level that I was at for so many years. And the only way I could figure out how to function or deal with it, was through drugs and alcohol. And mm-hmm. by drugs, I mean prescription drugs. Mm-hmm. After, after I broke my leg in 2008, that became a mindset that I thought I could only perform if I had a painkiller, yeah. right? Like if I if I knew that I had something at the end of the night to be able to let me sleep. That, you know, you just fast forward that five years and it turns into something that I have no control over Totally, and I'm not well. And it's just totally pulling apart my life. So the, the, the first five years were blessed with so much joy Mm. in terms of my career. Sure. And then all of this secrecy and shame in my private life, which is so bizarre. It's like such a, it was, there were such contrasting experiences. Mm. Um, and so now as, as we're heading out this decade, I find myself feeling, and I said this to Glennon a few, a few months ago, I said, babe, you know, it's so cool. And she said, what? And I said, I have nothing to be ashamed of.
0: Oh, it's so great. I have no shame,
1: not an ounce of shame in me. And of course I have made huge mistakes in my life and I've hurt a lot of people, but the way that I'm living in the, in the, and you know, Glennon, like she lives uh-huh. inside and among her integrity. Yes. Like there's there's probably no person on the planet that I know that is more integrated than right. my wife, Glennon. Right. And I feel like I get just like all of that, fr- the, all of the edges of that just hmm. get seeps into me. And I just have found that um, it has given me space to explore some of the stuff about myself that is probably the reasons why I was experiencing all of that drug mm-hmm. and alcohol problems. I was afraid of myself.
0: Hmm.
1: I was afraid of what I would find. I was afraid of doing this work and I was afraid of presenting as the most strong athlete on the planet, I had some serious fear stuff going on. And now I'm just like like a little onion, just hmm. like slowly peeling back the layers. And it's exciting because I keep learning new things and I keep unlearning things. Like, oh, I thought that thing was the truth. And it's like, oh no, 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 no. That's just a story. It's not totally true because it's not true all the way through. So yeah, this has been a it's been a mind blowing decade. And um you know my wife is such um she works harder than any other person i've ever met and that also rubs off on me i love to work i'm a workaholic i love being out in the world i love doing what i do and more importantly like the best thing that's happened to me in the last 10 10 years is just getting to know these three children and and my wife and myself on this family level that i didn't know i had in me uh-huh. right i I, I, have never really done family before. Yep. I've been on the road my whole life playing soccer and yep. doing this stuff. So it's been, it's been a joy. It's been a real joy. And, um, gosh, I can't wait for the next decade mm. to be done. I, I, know, right? I just have had so much joy. Yeah, totally.
0: It's, it's been a joy to watch too. And, uh, and learn from and watch you just become a mom, like, boom, just like that. That's yeah. how you had to learn. Yeah. You didn't really get a, a runway. Um, Insta is what we call it. Insta mom. No. And yeah, isn't it something to think about 10 years from now? Like we'll both be empty nesters. Ooh. I don't know. I tell Brandon, let's just party. Let's party. Ooh. Let's set ourselves up for the next 10 years. Um, just in a way that we want to be living our most full life. You guys know I'm a huge fan of Warby Parker glasses. They have the cutest frames, quality, top-notch, and to me, Maybe the best thing of all, their glasses start at just $95. That includes prescription lenses with anti glare and anti scratch coatings. So, if you need help picking your favorite new glasses out, you just answer a few quick questions that they've set up for you, and Warby Parker will show you frames that are personalized to fit like your face and your style. If you have an iPhone X, make sure you download the Warby Parker app, and then you can use their brand new virtual try on feature which is just like what is this world that we live in you'll be able to see like the color the texture the size of each frame style right on your face just using your phone listen to what I'm saying to you there are seven people that live in my house and six of us cannot see every single one of us have at least one pair of Warby Parkers every one of us and it's so incredibly easy because you don't have to go anywhere. (laughs) Like you get to pick out five different frames and they ship them to you for free. You can try them on at home. You mail them back for free and then boom, they send you your glasses to order your at home. Try on glasses. Here's what you do. Go to warbyparker.com slash for the love And then take the quiz so that you can find like the perfect frame for you. So one more time, it's warbyparker.com slash for the love to order your absolute free at home try on pairs. You're going to love them. I already know that you are. Um, And I sure do too, like Warby Parker's for life. Okay. We're going to wrap it up here. These are just um, three sort of rapid fire questions that I'm asking all the guests in the um, finishing strong series. Here's the first one. And you probably have more than one, so you could just pick, but who's an example to you um, of what it means or what it even looks like to finish, finish well, finish strong.
1: That is a great question. I know that this is going to sound so um, bizarre but I look, and I've been watching um, Hillary Clinton, mm. and I don't know where, where your folks fall on the, the, the political
0: uh-huh.
1: spectrum, but I have just been watching her over the last couple of years, since 2016, uh-huh. and if, if you have any clue what it's like to be famous, like she gets the worst of the worst of it. Mm. Um, and what she has done in terms of opening up doors for women to even be in the room and conversations, she's done maybe more than anybody else. I am so curious to see how her story finishes mm. because she's had so much impact. Yeah. And I think that she she's doing it now behind closed doors in some ways. But I think that the way that she's now kind of pivoting is very fascinating. It's, mm. She's taken some time and she's being a uh-huh. grandparent and all the things, but it's very fascinating watching her because there might be no other woman inside our political structure right. inside our government structure that has had more impact
0: for women. Um, that's a great answer. I love that. That an open-ended one. Here's the next question. Um, with the idea of a goal in mind, be it a really big one or even a small one i don't really care but is there a is there a thing that you have inside your mind inside your thoughts um that what what's your motivation to keep your foot on the gas when you have a thing in front of you that you're like i really want to see this through yeah
1: um it's interesting i don't know i i don't know if it's just like a gift that i was born with or whatever but um the thing that always kept me coming back to the game day in and day out, grueling days, days that I didn't want to be there, days that I did not want to lift. I didn't want to do sprints. I didn't want to be at practice. I was 35 years old. I didn't want to do it anymore. And the thing that I have been gifted with is this challenging notion that I don't know what my limit is until I know. And um, Hmm. that is the reason why I can keep my foot on the gas is because I don't know how much time I have down here and my, we all have a finite time. That's the one thing we do know. And um, I want to get as much freaking done as possible uh, because it's going to take not just me, by the way, it's going to take me and the next, the next iteration and the next iteration and the next iteration to like, really, because progress is slow. It's just the way that it goes. It has to start somewhere and I'm committed to doing my part. Everybody else just has to be committed to doing theirs.
0: That's it. That's it. Drop that mic. Um, last question and everybody gets this one in every series and honestly answer it however you want. It can like, it can be big or small. It can be really serious or not at all. So, um, the questions, what is saving your life right now?
1: it's interesting. I think that I'm turning into a vegetarian. Um, I, our son, he's, he's 16 years old and he has shown me the way in terms of it being not that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. Um, I have been a carnivore my whole life. Like I'm telling you, like, like, I go to the butcher shop. Like that's the kind of meat that I eat. <laughs> Got it. I go to the nicest steakhouses in the country. Yeah. Like that's the kind of meat eater I am. And, um, and I have been really toying with this idea. I saw this Netflix documentary, the game, the game changers the other day. And there's really something about this longevity bit. And, um, you know, I'm turning 40. I'm going to try to run a marathon next year. I'm doing a half marathon in a few weeks. Um, trying to like do the body thing without the soccer thing. Yeah, totally a, a new chapter for my life. But I, I really think th- the thing that is saving my life right now, truly, is the I- idea of becoming a vegetarian is becoming more true. Yeah, it's not complete there. Uh-huh. I'm not like, uh-huh. uh huh. I don't know if I can do dairy mayo mm. or oh, or. Yeah like butter, mayo and cheese are the
0: things like, and Oh, it's vegan. Oh, he's vegan. Not just vegetarian. Well,
1: I think he trends to the, he's trending Uh
0: that way. And
1: I just don't think I can ever give up those three items. So I think that vegetarian, maybe pescatarian, like sushi Uh is just like a thing that I don't know, like that's maybe something that's saving my life. And also coming
0: into focus for you in some ways. Yes. And also
1: my wife, my wife saves my life and she's saved my life this since the day I met her. So she's always I love
0: her too. Oh, I love you both. I'm so happy that you're my friend. And I'm so happy that I know you. And thank you for being a really good friend to me in a lot of ways, both seen and unseen. It just that means so much to me. And I don't forget that. And that that matters. And so thanks for all you're doing in the world. I appreciate your leadership. I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate your honesty and your integrity. It's good for all of us. And Mm -hmm. I'm following and I'm listening and I'm right with you and next to you. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you
1: so much, Jen. And guess what? You just taught me something new in terms of thanking somebody for being your friend. Like that Mm -hmm. really just struck me so deeply. Like, thank you for being my friend. I, I'm going to say that to all my friends right oh, now. Oh,
0: What a nice thing to say. Okay. Yay. Everybody thank your friends for being your friends. That's yeah, just a good way to sign so up. Sweet
1: and true. And I just love it. So happy holidays. We love you so much and can't
0: wait to see you. Thanks. Love you, sis. All right. Bye-bye. She is literally the greatest in every sense of the word. She's so dear. Uh, I hope you love that conversation. She's so great. Um, guys, thank you for listening. Thanks for, um, subscribing. If you haven't already, just, po- it'll take you five seconds. Go subscribe to the podcast and you'll get it every single week. Just in case you've ever missed them, which I'm sure you have, you can go over to jenhatmaker.com underneath the podcast tab every single podcast we've ever recorded is over there, including the transcript page, which is obviously the full transcript plus links and pictures and bonus resources. It is such an amazing resource that Amanda does week in and week out for you. And so um, you might want to go back and re-listen to a favorite Um, I do that sometimes uh, because sometimes I'm so into the interview at the time. I've got to go back and listen to it as a listener um, to really absorb everything that I heard because we have had so just a wealth of intelligence and wisdom and goodness on this podcast. And so it is one of the great joys of my life. And so are you listeners. Thanks for listening every single week. Come back next week. See you then. That's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed this chat. Be sure to subscribe to my mom's podcast and give it a thumbs up rating if you like it. From the whole Hatmaker family, I hope you have a great week and see you next time.